0: kids are dismissed at this moment as our kids go to their classes would you open your bibles with me to the book of first corinthians chapter 16 first corinthians chapter 16 and if you're able to stand would you stand as we read god's word together first corinthians 16 and we'll begin in verse 13 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. And you got to say so. so. The word of God reads, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. And they, and and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That you also, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. For they refresh my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation is with my own hand. Pause. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lord, thank you again for your word that is true Thank you for your word that is righteous. Thank you for your word that reminds us of who you are, that reminds us of who we are, that reminds us of what we are called to do, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in these next few moments that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, that you would glorify yourself in the preaching of your word, but not just in its preaching, but in its hearing and living, Lord God. Let us not just be hearers of your word, but let us be doers of your word. I pray that you would remove distractions from our minds and from our hearts, and that you would align us with your truth this morning. We pray this all in Jesus' good name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline, and that way you can follow along. As, we, as, 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 as you look at your outline and we're getting ready to close in this series that we're uh, in church function that we've been in in 1 Corinthians, we are wrapping up today as the last sermon in this series. And so uh, the title of the message is In Closing, and that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. And so if you look at your outline there, when you love someone, one of the hardest things to do is say goodbye. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. Difficult to say goodbye as a leader, as a pastor, or in this case, as an apostle who is leading people. There is always more to say, right? And again, you can be in a meeting with someone. You're having a conversation, and you have you know a bunch of things that you're talking about, and you've said so much, and you know sometimes you're talking forever, and people are like, "Man, what are you talking about?" And and you and you have more to say, right? And afterwards, you think of more things that you could have talked about in that conversation with that person that you love. I mean, that's just a reality reality that we have. And and the Apostle Paul is no different. As we talked about last week, beginning in chapter 16, he goes through and he hits on certain things, right? There there are certain points that he starts to hit that he doesn't expound on, and so you got to kind of read into a little bit and pause and think through what it is, excuse me, exactly what he is communicating and what he's trying to say. But again, this is in closing that he's communicating with them. And so as leaders, right, as those who are communicating in your outline, we hope you are picking up what we're laying down, and we really hope that one-liner or that, or, or, or that quick thought sticks, right? So the question is, are you taking notes? I hope so. I, I, you know, we, 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 hope that you're taking notes, right? And I'm, a, and I'm a terrible note taker. I just, I'm not, I'm not. I listen, I listen well, and and I take notes mentally, and I, and I really do. I mean, I, I have a pretty good memory. Um, anybody who's had a conversation with me about something that happened a while ago, they'll, they'll be like, man, you have a good memory, and I, you know, God has blessed me with that. But still, I think Pastor Aldo is the person that I heard say something to the effect that one of his professors said, you know, uh, a pen or a pencil is always sharper than the mind. Hallelujah. And so while I may have a good memory, I'll never be able to remember every single thing that is communicated. While you may have a good memory, you're not going to be able to remember every single thing that is communicated. But the truth is that we should endeavor to write some things down. And see, now as a communicator, I want you to know something. I don't think that every single word that I say is going to be important to you, right? Just let me let you know. Every single word I say is not going to matter. But there are some things, I want you to know this, there are some things that I know that should matter to you greatly. There there, there, there is something within what, what will be communicated that you should be writing down. And, and let me say this even, even more importantly, it's not just the things that I am saying, but I want you to know that we're sitting in the presence of God. And God is the one that's speaking not just through me, but to you. Understand, I, I, I separate the two. Because here's the thing, God doesn't need me to communicate to you. God can communicate to you. Now, he's given gifts to the body and all of that. But here's what I know to be true. While I'm sitting down and I'm listening to someone communicate guess what? The God of heaven. And my heavenly father is also communicating and I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden There's this thought that pops into my mind and it's not that I need to run away with it. Hello and just ignore what's being communicated, but it is something that God is communicating. And so the point and for the question is, man, are you take are you engaged? Right? We talked about that in the beginning of the year, that we need to be engaged, right? So I wanna I wanna be sure that that during the preaching that you're not just an idle listener waiting for the sermon to be done so you can move on to the next thing in your day but that you will be an active listener that you will be a participant who is sitting back and saying god what is it that you want to communicate to me what is it that you want to share with me what is it that you that that you want me to take away from this message that i can live with it that i can that i can do what is it that i'm not doing that will be communicated today that i need to begin to do what is it that i need to continue doing that i am doing right like like this is what it means to be an active listener right to especially when we're sitting down before the lord you know we're we're developing our preaching team, and, and Pastor Aldo and, and, and myself and uh, Pastor Rod and Minister Jonathan were sitting down having a conversation a few weeks ago, and as we're talking about the sermons, there's there's a way that we are supposed to um, um, look at the sermons, right? As preachers, as communicators, we're supposed to evaluate the sermons, in, and, and I love what Pastor Aldo said. He's like, man, it's so difficult to do that. He's like, because I've trained myself that when I sit down, I'm not trying to look at, well, how perfect was this or how perfect Perfect was that, but what is it that God is trying to say? What is it that God is trying to communicate? Not how you can be a better communicator. No, what is it that God is trying to communicate to my life through you and the message that you're preaching? And so I encourage you to take and take some notes from Pastor Aldo. Hallelujah. So number one, use a pen or a pencil, and number two, engage your mind in a way that you're asking God, what is it that you want to communicate to me? Because listen, we're at the end of this sermon, and my, and my question, my, my, my real question is, what did you get out of, at the end of this series, what did you get out of this entire series? I mean, this, this is message 25, glory to God. That's 25 sermons that you have heard in the book of 1 Corinthians, Right? And so I'm wondering, how, how has your life been impacted? How has your life changed over the last, you know, 25 sermons that you have heard while we have walked through the book of 1 Corinthians? Have you, have you, have you been repentant of some things that God has communicated throughout this? Have you, has your faith been challenged, and have you responded to the challenge, or, or, or have you just thought, well, man, I, what's the next series? You see, as as, as as children of God, right, the book of James tells us that we should not be hearers alone, but we must be doers of the word of God. We must be those who are hearing what God is communicating and saying, God, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? And so, again, I hope you're taking notes, and if you're not, I, I pray that you're motivated to start doing it. But I want you to think about this this morning because the Apostle Paul, I think, is communicating love. He's, he's talking, he, he, he communicates the need to love, and, and here's what I want to say this morning. Love is not an excuse for weakness, but a motivation for courageous faith. Love is not an excuse for weakness, but a motivation for courageous faith. You know, there's a lot of things that motivate us in life, right? Fear is a motivator, right? Fear, fear motivates us to do things that we wouldn't normally do, right? Um, doubts motivate us, you know, uh, um, um, guilt motivates us, right? Like there, there's, a, there's a lot, there are a lot of motivators in this life, but the greatest motivator is that of love. And the problem is that in our culture we have redefined love. We have we have made love something that it's not. We have we have, we have communicated about love in ways that we shouldn't, and so we don't we don't grasp the 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 power that there is really in love the way that God wants us to be motivated. And so what I want to say is that love isn't something that is weak. It's not something that's mushy. I mean, sometimes love includes hugs and kisses. Hello, but that is not the only facet of love, right? So, sometimes love ra- raises people up to do things that are valiant, because they love other people in there, and they're willing to lay their lives down. I, it, it reminds me of someone. His name is Jesus, Hallelujah. Yes. He, lay, he, lay, he loved us so much, he laid his life down for his enemies, right? So so love moves people, it motivates people, and, and the greatest motivator in us, the greatest thing that should motivate us as followers of Jesus is the love of God that is coming to our lives. His love should motivate us to live courageously in our faith, and the apostle Paul is communicating to the church in Corinth, he's wrapping up this message to them, and the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this, say, we must be... Ready Ready. for for opposition. We must be ready. For for opposition this this morning, I was talking to my brother L. In case you guys don't know, he 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 does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, he's very 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 good at it. I have some stories I won't share right now for time's sake. But um, he was he wants to teach our kids, and so he's telling me, well, you know, wrestling is in the Bible, so he's going to teach our kids Jiu-Jitsu. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm sure he will. But 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 here's the thing. He he says that, and he's like, well, you know what I'm talking about. And and I was going to walk away, and I came back and said, what'd you say? And so he he repeated it, and he was like, well, you know. And I said, well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He's like, well, there it is. And then as I was standing up here in the front, I thought about a different scripture. And it is in the book of James where he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And that word resist has to do with what? It has to do with wrestling against it has to do with being strong against, right? And so, and so we, as the followers of Jesus, must be ready for opposition. Listen, and, and, and the reason why I spent the few minutes that I did exhorting you in the way that you listen to God's word is because you need to know that the enemy is sitting right outside those doors waiting for you. And, and, and he wants to be sure that you don't connect what you heard Sunday morning to the, to the way you're going to live beyond here. And so whether it's an argument that will happen in the car, whether it's something that will happen at a restaurant, whether it's something that will happen Monday morning, whatever, the enemy is going to do everything that he can in order to dissuade you from obeying the things you hear God communicate. And so we, as the people of God, have to be prepared for opposition. You need to know, he is, look, we're, we're, we're going to do a series here on spiritual warfare uh, coming up soon. Because we need to realize that, that that there is an enemy that is really out to get us. And, and that may sound morbid, but it's just true. He's He's not sitting idle by like, yeah, just live your life. Oh, no, no, he has plans for you. He has plans for your family. He has plans for your future. The same way that God has plans for you, so does the enemy. And so as the Apostle Paul is wrapping up his message to the church in Corinth, he communicates with them. And so as most of you know, my daughter Alexis, she left to South Africa for a month. Last week we prayed for her. And... As she was leaving, you know, as a dad, you know, I'm thinking about her, and so my neighbor, he's he is the one who is who is also uh, the professor, one of the professors that teaches the class, and he's the one that told me about the class, and so you know, I was going to go over there and, and meet up with him and have a conversation with him before they left, but I chose to just send him a message. I figured that was the better thing to do. So I sent him this message, and uh, you know, I, I said, Dr. Callahan. We're so excited that our impromptu conversation panned out to our daughter being on this trip with you. I want to reach out and just say, my daughter is 21, but this is her first time leaving us, literally. Please look out for our baby girl. Not being with her, I can only trust the Lord and the only responsible male I know to protect her as I would. I'm sure you understand. Thank you in advance. I'm praying for you in the trip. Now, now the meeting I was going to have with him was going to have a lot more involved, but I figured this conveyed the point, right? Like, <laughs> don't come back without my daughter. <laughs> Make sure my daughter comes back as she was or better. Come on now. This is what I'm trying to convey in this, right? Because that's my girl. And I, and I know, right? I, I know what, what, I, what I would do. I, I know I know that. I'm not coming home if she ain't coming home. Right? I, know, I know how I'm going to protect her with my life, right? As, because I see See, what, what is the point of me sharing this, right? The point is I'm not ignorant of the world in which we live. I, I wholeheartedly, I understand the vulnerability we each have to evil, especially when we are unexpected. The, mo- the most vulnerable we are, is, is when the enemy can get us to believe oh he's not really interested in you he's he, he doesn't he, he's he's not real right like I mean that that that's like the greatest lie that the enemy has tried to convey through I mean just to get people to believe that there's no such thing the devil option that, that that's just fairy tale stuff see the 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 Apostle Paul saw the same in, in this church. He loved them. They, they were like they were his children, right? That, that's how pastors look at the, the people that they shepherd, like their children. No matter if you're older than me, younger than me, that's how I see you. Right in, in, in a sense, I may, I may respect you as my elder, which I, which I do, but, but nonetheless, I still, I still have that, that, that responsibility towards you. And the same thing as the Apostle Paul, he has this same heart toward those that he's leading. And so what does he tell them? He starts off, and the first word that he says here in verse 13, he says, watch. Say watch. 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 What is, he, what is he talking about? Well, there's two things in the scriptures that we are commanded to watch for, to be watchful for. The first one is the coming of the Lord. So, so Jesus communicates that these people should be watchful. The Apostle Paul is reiterating these words, and we'll see the Apostle Peter confirms these words about being watchful. But the first thing that we are supposed to be watchful for from the time of the resurrection of Jesus is we are supposed to be watchful for the coming of the Lord. What did he say in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, and verse 5? Look at what it says. It says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Why why, why does he use that terminology? Are you are you, are you ready for the thief that's coming? You might think you are, but a thief that is worth his weight and whatever, right? He is going to catch you by surprise. And so the point is, Jesus is saying, "I'm coming like a thief. I'm coming when people are not ready." And so he's talking to the church, and and he wants them to to be vigilant. He wants to, but but look what he says. He said, "Blessed is he who watches." Look at the but look look at the next part of the verse though. And keeps his garments lest he be he walk naked and they see his shame. See, when we are watching for something, there's a certain way we dress for the event or the occasion. If someone told you, "Hey man, we're going to go to this wedding. I'll be here to pick you up at this time." Are you going to walk out in, in like a, a tank top and some shorts? I would hope not. But you're going to be dressed for the occasion, right? If I tell you, hey, man, we're going to go play basketball, you know, you're going to be like, nah, Bishop, you're joking. But anyway, here's the thing. <laughs> you got jokes right now. But here, but here's the thing. If I tell you that, you're you're, you're not going to come out in a tuxedo, right? You're gonna you're gonna put on shorts and probably a tank top, right? Some steam. You're gonna you you're gonna be, but you're you're watching you're waiting. If I told you, hey, I'm going to be here at four o'clock, then you're going to start. I mean, I don't know about you. I know me. When someone says they're going to be at my house at a certain time, about five minutes till I start looking out the window, I'm paying attention, I'm seeing, okay, they're going to be here. Because what? Because I want to walk out the door. I want to meet them. I don't want to have them waiting out there in the car. I don't want them to have to beep at me. That's just me, right? I hope that you, you know, do the same thing, right? But nonetheless, we start paying. And we're ready for the occasion. Well, here's the same thing Jesus is talking about when you're watchful. What happens when you're watchful? When you are watchful, there is a certain way when he when he's speaking about you keeping your garments, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about live righteously. Keep your garments, right? So here's what happens. We come to Jesus because of what Christ did. He died on the cross for us. He rose again for our sins to give us justification. And then He clothes us when we put our faith in Him. What does He do? This is what we talk about weekly, right? He gives us a new identity. He calls us, if we're a man, He calls us a son. If we're a daughter, He calls you a daughter. You are now His child. And he takes you from being his enemy to being his friend. He clothes you in the right garments for the event. What event? His coming. But here's what he says. Keep your garments. Follower of Jesus. It's not just about a one and done prayer that you prayed one day and put your faith in Jesus and now everything is going to be okay. No, 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 my friends. He warns you of being naked and ashamed. He's saying if you're watching, you're living righteously. A person who is watching is living a certain way, is living with expectation. So and so and so Paul is, is telling them be watchful. First of all, be watchful for the coming of the Lord. The second thing that we are commanded and, and told to be watchful for or to pay attention to is the attacks of the enemy. Again, we're gonna dig into this in a few weeks, but I want you to see the apostle Peter's writing of what he says. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 He says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Does the enemy have a plan for you? Go, 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 go ahead and watch. You know the 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 the, the channels with the lions and 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 how and how they and how they attack, right? The National Geographic or something like that. Go 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 watch that and see how the lion is just oh they're just chilling until. It seems like no, they ain't nothing going on. Oh, there's something going on. They're planning, they're plotting. And so we are to be watchful against the enemy we had to be watchful for the second coming of the lord and so the word watch right this word watch it it should strike in us the idea of vigilance right as as i was looking up the word watch I, i came to a definition and it brought this up during the old testament period the night was divided into three military watches now think about this for a moment in the time when these scriptures are being written, the idea when they hear the word watch, there's something that triggers in their mind. It doesn't necessarily trigger in our minds, but they understand this terminology. And so in those times there was once nighttime came cuz guess when the thief comes? He comes at night. Well, when 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 do surprise attacks happen? At night when everybody's sleeping, when everybody's relaxing, so there is someone who is charged with keeping watch. Someone who is charged. And so they had, at, that, at, at that time, they had three watches. The Romans changed it to four watches. But nonetheless, there were certain watches of the night. And so church, that means that you and I should be thinking in these military terms. What does the apostle Peter say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6? He says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us not sleep as others do but let us be watch let, let us watch and let us be sober. I like the way he does that, right? He puts there let us watch and let us be sober, right? So you think about it, right? At night like you're chilling, you know, you've had a long day and what do you want to do? Anyway, you want to rest, right? And what some people want to do, right, is they want to they want to have some extra relaxation assistance. Hallelujah. And so, and, and so we 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 have some libations that, that make us really relax, right? And so, and and so we're not sober. When you're when you're not sober, when you when you've been extra relaxed, you're not paying attention the same way that you would normally pay attention. Come on now. You're not you're not noticing things that are going on around, you're not seeing stuff that's happening, right? And 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 so and and so again, we can I want you to understand this: we can be intoxicated by more things than alcohol. This isn't, this isn't a charge just against alcoholism. This is a charge about being drunk in emotion, being, being overwhelmed by anger. Be sober. Don't, don't, don't allow your emotions to get the best of you. You need, you need to be on watch. You need to recognize when, the, listen, when those triggers are happening, guess what you need to know you're dealing with? You're dealing with an enemy, hello, who wants you to do what? To be angry and sin while God says be angry and sin not. This this, this is what the enemy wants from us. He wants us not to be watching, not to be sober, not not to have our faculties in order. And so what, what, what Paul tells us is that we are to watch, that we are to be vigilant, that we are to be paying attention, that we shouldn't be sleeping like other people do. The second thing the apostle Paul tells us here is he says, stand fast in the faith. What does he mean by standing fast in the faith? I won't go into that a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 15. We talked about standing fast in the faith. We talked about standing fast, standing firm in the gospel. Aaron came up. He, he showed us how to stand firm, right? He showed us how to resist. So we understand what that is. But what does it mean? It means to stand fast. It means keep your footing. Don't get tripped up by the things of this world. Know who God is. Know what Jesus did. Know who you are. This is what Christianity, mature Christianity looks like it's a person who is standing fast in the faith. But but see you can't you can't watch if you're not standing fast. Right? So so we're watching as we're we're seeking God, right? Okay. And then the the, the next one he says, in my version it says be brave, and some of your versions it might say act like men, it just depends on which one you're reading. The King James says quit like men. And so, before I go off in this rant that I'm about to go off on here, I just want to say this really quickly. I don't. I do not think that the Apostle Paul is trying to juxtapose or trying to make a comparison to say, "Hey, act like a man, not like a woman." That's not what he's trying to do here. Amen. I didn't get enough amens. Amen. He's, he, he's not trying to make a point like 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 women are not brave, right? Like that's not it. Any, any mama bears in the house? I'm sure. I know a couple of y'all. Hallelujah, right? It, it, it doesn't matter what, what's, what, what, what's facing or coming against your child, you're going to step up, right? It, it does, like, that, that, that's, it's it's not, it's not a thing of, 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 of man or woman in this sense that the apostle Paul is trying to write. Nonetheless, he does use a, a masculine term here and tells him to act like man. Now, I think that this brings us back to 1 Corinthians 13 where the apostle says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, but now that I'm a man, I think like a man, right? So I, I think that that's the, the, the right context for what he's trying to communicate. Nonetheless, let me go off on my rant now real quick. So here's the thing. We hear a lot, a lot about toxic masculinity, of which there is plenty. I don't deny that there is some toxic masculinity out there. However, we don't hear enough about biblical masculinity. And, and this is important to us as, as men in the church because we are called to be men. And, and, and this, in this particular context, as we're looking at this, the church as a whole, now listen, should be marked by courage, which in this context is a masculine trait. He's pointing this out. We should be marked by courage. Biblical men stand up for what is right, stand against what is wrong. They use their strength to build, not destroy. I didn't write this there, but unless it's to destroy evil, hello. Because what you want is you want strong, godly men who are willing to stand up against the evils of our day. Are you here? I, I listen. I I I want. I, I pray that every man in core faith, that every man that ever becomes part of this church understands there that, that that it's a good thing to be a man, and especially a man of God. Hello, and, and, and we are we are necessary. We are vital. To, to culture being what God wants it to be. Listen, I, and, and again, ladies, I have nothing, nothing against you at all, and I think that you're important to the whole thing. Next week is Mother's Day Sunday, and we're going to talk about, you know, the importance of moms and stuff like that. But here's the thing that I want to grasp. I want us to grasp that that men, mas- the, 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 the masculinity that is biblical, it is that men use their strength to build, not to destroy, to protect, not intimidate, and to lead, not control. Hello. See, see, this is biblical masculinity. This is what we are called to do. And so, man, listen, we're we're called to lead. Don't, don't let the culture silence you because here's the thing that I want you to understand is that when they're talking about this toxic masculinity, they just put everything under one umbrella, the wrong one. Hello. It's not not not, not every single thing that there's some things that 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 they just look rough to people, and it's okay. God created you to be rough. Hello. Amen, my brothers. God created you to be strong. Now, you got to know how to be strong and you got to know when to be tender, right? You got you to know when to be tough. You got to know when to be tender. You got to know the right context. You got to know the right situations. You've got to know the right circumstances, right? Like, like we as men have to understand that, but we need men who are not afraid to be men. And ladies, you should be praying for these kind of men. Hello. If you're raising them up, you should be raising up these kind of men, right? You should be, you, you should be instructing them that, that they don't need to be, they don't need to be soft. Hello? Hmm. That's my mom laughing like that. She raised four boys. She did a good job, praise the Lord. You can give her a hand, praise God. But we need godly men. And as a church, as a church, the only, the, I, I believe this firmly. The only way that the church is going to act like men in this sense and going to have that masculinity to it is when there are godly men who are stepping up doing what God has called them to do. Amen. Godly men who are seeking God the way that we should be. And so uh, the, the, the fourth thing that he says here is he says, be strong. So what does that mean? That means That, that means continue to grow in strength. Church, continue. Church, you got to watch. you got to pay attention to where you are. You've got to stand fast in the faith. You've got to be brave. You've got you've, you've to stand firm in those, in those moments. And you've got to be strong. You've got to continue to grow in strength. Be filled with the spirit consistently. Be filled with the spirit by being in God's word consistently. Be filled with the spirit by being in prayer consistently. Be filled with the spirit by being in, be the, by being in the presence of the body of Christ consistently, continually, and collectively. Here's the bottom line. The church today needs to recognize the spiritual battle we are in, and we need to recognize some of the tools that the enemy uses. As we read the book of 1 Corinthians, we see how how the enemy was, was, was invading the church. How was he doing it? He was doing it through division. He was causing division within the church. If that is a thing that you see happening, you need to step up and do something about it. He brings confusion to the church. What was the apostle Paul doing throughout this whole book? He's answering. Answering questions, clearing things up. And another way that the enemy operates is through a place of ignorance. When when we're just ignorant of stuff, when we don't want to know stuff, when we're not digging into what God's word says. And so we need to be strengthened, and that strength only comes by the Lord. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, love must temper all that we do. Love must temper all that we do. And, and I, I bring this back to the whole masculinity idea because love is not a, a feminine thing. Hello. Love is, it, love, love is an attribute. It is who God is. And so love, in other words, God must temper everything that we do. Not not, not just some things, but everything that we do, all all of our attitudes, everything that we communicate. So look at what the Apostle Paul says, again here, verse 14, he says, let all that you do be done with love. Here's the thing, church, the most distinguishing characteristic that the church of Jesus Christ must possess and convey is that of love. I had this thought, if God is love, how can his people be his people if love is not clearly expressed through them? If he's love, if he, I, and I'm saying if, he is, but if God is love, that's what he declares himself to be, how can we be his people if his love is not clearly conveyed through us? Let everything, every, let all that you do be done with love. You got to rebuke a brother or a sister, do it in love. Don't just come with the hammer. Bring a, bring a pillow, a cushion, you know, like when you. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever you do, everything you do should be done in love. All that you do, the sacrifices you make, the service you give to others. Because remember, 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that you can do all kind of stuff that seems like it's for love and it's empty of love. Right, that, that, that's what he says, right? I, I can speak in tongues and of angels, and if there's no love, right, he's like, it's just, it's just a bunch of noise, right? He talks about giving his body to be sacrificed, and if there is no love, right, he talks about doing all of these things. And so we can do stuff that looks like love, and it's not really love. And so again, love must temper everything that we do. He goes on to say this. He says, I urge you, brethren. So now, so, so he says these things, and then, and then as I read this, right, I see him, he's giving an urgent charge to them. He's, he's letting them know something. He say, I urge you, right, like, 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 like I want to compel you to this. Brethren, you know the household of Stephanus that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I'll pause for a moment because I want you to notice the household of Stephanus is of note. Did you notice what I just said and what I just read? It wasn't Stephanus that was of note. It was the household of Stephanus that was of note. I believe this because of this man who's leading his family faithfully. The household is known. Amen? The household is being led, just like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? So this is what leadership is about but my point is this is that he wasn't called to, to, to honor by himself. he wasn't called to serve in the kingdom by himself. he was called with the body, right the, he, he was called with his whole family to lead and so what we should be doing church come on now is we listen, don't don't pawn off service to who you think is most spiritual. Hello. Because in some cases, it's like Mama Bear, she's the, she's the spiritual one. So you go ahead and you go pray. You go ahead and you go do that. You go ahead and do all the spiritual stuff. No, no, no. That's not how it's supposed to be. Or, or the other side, you may have the husband, he's spiritual. So you go do all the spiritual stuff. No, we are called as families. To be given to the service of the Lord. This is what God's intention is: is that not just individuals? We know this as a church, as a body, but as families, that we would give ourselves to the service of the Lord. And so, again, I encourage you look at that. It's it's worthy. It's worthy of looking at. He says to um, that they that they have given themselves to the ministry of the saints. And what does he say to do for them? Verse sixteen, he says that you also submit to such. And to everyone who works and labors with us. And so what is he saying? He's saying, You should give yourself in submission to them, recognize them, align yourself with them. Verse 17: I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part, they supplied. And so that sounds like a negative, right? Like what was lacking, they supplied. But but simply what, what Paul is saying is is, is the, the void in my heart that that was you because i wasn't with you when they came they filled it when they when they came and even though even though they came and they were asking me all these questions that was like making me pull out my hair because i can't believe this church is going nuts like this hello you wonder why i'm bald i'm just that's that's really it's it's not hereditary and i'm just, I kid, I kid it is hereditary. But anyway, anyway, anyway. I got I got a double portion for my dad, my grandpa, whatever. Anyway, let's we'll talk about that another day. Hmm, no we won't. But 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 all that said, he's he's saying they they supplied something that he was lacking. And they and he refreshed not only him, but he also refreshed them, verse 18. They refresh my spirit and yours; therefore acknowledge such men such people acknowledge them acknowledge such people acknowledge those who have who have given themselves to the work of the lord so stephanus and his household were of note they were first fruits in that region, meaning that they were probably one of the first families. It's not the first family to be saved. I believe the Apostle Paul says earlier in the book that he baptized Stephanus. Um, they, they, they had given themselves to the service of the Lord. And with their companions, Fortunatus and Achaicus, they filled the void that the church had in Paul's heart. They refreshed Paul and Corinth because, remember, these words were not just words of rebuke. These are also words of encouragement that are coming to them from the Apostle Paul. The point... What's the point in, 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 in pointing these people out in, in, in the context of love? I think the point is this is they exemplified love in action. See, when you when you really love God, when you when you have really come to know what Jesus has done for you, you know what you do, you start to serve Him. You give yourself to the service of the people of God. Because what? Because you know that in that you are loving, you are honoring, you are glorifying God. And so again, it shows them that. And then this, this is a beautiful thing. When, 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 when love really operates in our hearts, you know what we do? We honor one another. We, we honor one another. We, not, not just because of titles and positions, but because we're brothers and sisters. Now, in this case, he's talking about honoring them in a special way and, 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 and submitting to them. But nonetheless, we have to have this idea, this understanding. So we're talking about love. So the Apostle Peter now, we're going to look at another verse here because I want you to see the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter gives us some clarity as to why we must love or why we must do all things in love. Look what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, I mean, First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, think about this. This is written almost 2,000 years ago. And he is saying the end of all things is at hand. Why? Because from the time that Jesus rose, they were living in the end times. Amen. From that moment, so every generation thought they were going to see the coming of Jesus. It looked that bad. Every generation now is look. I, I, I'm thinking, man, he's coming. He's got to come this time. Hello, <laughs> these people have lost their minds. Like there's, you know, but none, But 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 nonetheless, right? <laughs> I could be wrong. But but here's the thing. The apostle Peter says the end of all things is at hand. So what does this mean? If we believe that we are living toward the end of all things, then what what should we be doing? Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. So be serious Be watchful in your prayers. So we talked about being a watchman, right? Being watchful. So where do we do that? We do that in prayer as well. That's where we are able to watch. But what does he go on and say? He says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. So why is it that we have to do all things in love? Let me tell you why. When love tempers all that we do, the enemy will have more difficulty dividing God's people and hindering the advancement of the gospel. You see, when we're not operating in love, when love isn't the thing that is governing our hearts in relationship with others, right, we tell people, man, I ain't got, I got time for you. We don't tell them that. We just don't have time for them. We start ignoring people. We start finding out what group of person is in, and we're not going to get in that group because we don't want to be around that person. Uh, we start thinking about events we're going to go to or not go to because that person or those people are there. You know what that's a sign of? Not just that you're a heathen, but... <laughs> It is a sign that you're not operating in love because something else is governing your decisions. It's not love. It's offense. It's frustration. Whatever it is, something else is determining what you're doing. But here's what I want you to get. It's not about the group that you're not going to be part of. It's not about the event that you're not gonna participate in. It's about the forward movement of the gospel. Because when we are divided, when we're not walking together in love, guess what's not happening? We're not advancing the kingdom. We're so so busy trying to ignore such and such, we forgot about the other people that are there that need the gospel. We forgot about the other people that are present that need to see the love of God and action between us, which brings me to my last point. Say this with me. We must be growing growing. in in love. So not just that all things should be done in love, but we must be growing in love. Verse 19, he says this, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. You see this picture? Do you, I mean, do you see this picture? Think about this. How I mean, we, we and, and I can say this for us, we're, we're, we are not sitting here writing letters to other churches heartily, right? Like thinking like, man, we really are thinking about this other church in such a positive way. Not that we're necessarily thinking negative, but we just don't think about each other like that. So the first thing we see is a completely different picture of what the church looks like. These are people who are in another place, in another city, and they're they're actually thinking affectionately about this other part of the church. And they're sending them greetings coming from them. In verse 20, he says, all the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Hallelujah. For Hispanic people, that seems pretty easy, right? That's what we do. This isn't, this isn't limited to Hispanics. Hello. This wasn't even written to Hispanics or by Hispanics, right? This was written to, to Gentiles, to, to pagans. Uh, you know, I mean, it's written to the church, obviously, right? It is healthy. It is a healthy practice to often search our hearts to ensure we are growing in love and that our love It's not growing cold. Let me say it again. It is a healthy practice to often search our hearts to ensure we are growing in love and that our love is not growing cold. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 24 when he's speaking about the end times? He says, sin will abound and the love of many will grow cold. We as followers of Jesus should read those words and be like, yo, I got to check my heart. I, I need to make sure that my love is not growing cold, but that I am actually growing in love that I'm growing in my care and my concern for others. See, think think about this in the book of Revelation when the apostle John or when Jesus is speaking to the apostle John regarding the church of Ephesus. What is, he talks to them about walking away from their first love. Now, if you look at the church of Ephesus, they were a church that was doctrinally sound. They would rebuke a false apostle without any thought to it. I mean, they knew all of the creeds, you know, and again, I'm exaggerating the point, but they they, they knew, I mean, they were solid, and yet Jesus rebukes them and tells them that you have fallen, you have left your first love, but then he tells them to go back to their first works. So what does that tell me that we can do? How do we measure our love? Well, one thing that we can do in measuring our love is we can see that our love for others is directly connected to our work. So then we, we can measure our growth by, are we declining in our love? Are we growing in our love by looking at our devotion to the people of God? Are you hearing me? We, we, we measure, are we growing in it? And I mean, think about this. Do we, do we feel an active love toward others? Do we feel an act of love towards others? Are we greeting each other with a holy kiss? I, I didn't hear that. I, I'm sorry, I missed that. No, okay, well, there it is. Let's all repent right now. He's speaking for us, so apparently we... But, here, but here, here, here's, here's the thing. Are we, are we growing in our love one for the other? See, see, when he says here, greet each other with a holy kiss. I want you to think about this for a moment because the practical application is is, is not just the actual thing, right? It's not just walking in, right? Customarily, you know, they, they would they would they would they would kiss each other on the cheek and stuff like that, right? Like that that was a customary thing for us as Hispanics, right? Like you know, for the for those who are Hispanic in the room, that's a natural thing. For others, it may be a little bit different. I'm not 100 sure. Every culture is different, right? But 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 it wasn't about it wasn't about the act of just kissing someone on the cheek. Did you feel like kissing them? Did did you want to see them? Right, my mom she walked in here. I was greeting everybody, breaking a chair over here. I was it, was it was it was an intense moment, right? And then I didn't notice her walk in and then she's like, "Well, hello my son," right? My mother's great at greeting, you know. Um but the point is she wants to greet she wants to greet me right she's not like trying to go sit over there so she' not have to see me hello right and so and, and so when we're talking about growing in love man do you see your brothers and sisters man i want to see them like i'm looking forward to seeing them like like i want like can i serve them in some way or do i come late and leave early I don't, I, I don't engage in anything outside of Sunday morning time. We sing together. We hear the word together. We do communion together, and then we're out. Like, it, like, 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 is that the depth, the length? Is, is that the kind of love that we have in our hearts toward one another? No, we, gotta, we, we, we have to have real love. Greet each other with a holy kiss. And, and, and if you don't feel compelled, if you don't feel that love for your brothers and sisters, man, you got to check your heart, man, am I growing in love? And so the Apostle Paul goes on and he says, verse 21, the, sal- the, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. And so what he's doing is he's, he's letting them know like he does in most of his letters. He makes sure, because in those times, a lot of these guys, they would write through like secretaries, basically. They would dictate a letter to someone, and then they would write, especially the Apostle Paul. you know, They believe that he, you know, he had issues with his eyes and stuff like that, and so he wasn't able to, to write like he would want to. So here's the thing. There was a lot of forgeries in those times. So people would write letters saying, hey, this is in the the name of so-and-so, and and then come to find out, nope, that's not from me. And so the apostle Paul is writing his own signature, making sure they know this is me that is sending this letter to you guys. But he goes on and he says this. He says, if anyone, look at these words. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. So he closes and makes, this, this, y'all, y'all realize this is part of his like closing signature, right? So you, so you know like when you sign a letter, right, you sign a letter of love and then you sign your name, right, and then you have like PSS, PS, PS, all that, right? So this is like his PS, hello. So it's like, you know, the Apostle Paul signed, PS, if anyone doesn't love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, Oh Lord, come. And then PSS, the grace of the Lord be with you and my love be with you also, but see, the the the, the, the second, the, the PSS is all good. Like, yes, the grace of the Lord be with us. Yes, the love of Christ be with us. No. Anyone who does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. This sounds weird, right? It sounds like a weird placement. But again, that's that like one-liner that's like trying to get your attention. Because not everybody in the church loves Jesus. Some people are there to be a problem. Some people are planted by the enemy. Come on now. Some people don't have the right heart. Some people, listen, they're just given to gossip. They're given to backbiting. They're given to those types of things that divide the body. They're given to, you know, the, the, the after-sermon questions that they never ask the pastor or the preacher. Hello. But they catch you and ask you about them. Hey, what did you think about this? And it's never because it really challenged me. It's because I really think that he was wrong, and, and I just need someone to affirm this. That doesn't happen here. (laughs) But he says, anybody who does not love the Lord Jesus, let him be a curse, anathema. And then he says, oh, Lord, come, Maranatha. And so what is he? It's, It's almost like he says, let him be a curse, Lord, bring your judgment now. In other words, y'all check your hearts. You, you make sure that you really love God because when you really love God, you will love God's people. When you really love God, you will not try to hurt, you will try to unite. You won't try to, to divide and discourage, you'll try to build faith. And so we got to make sure, we got to check our hearts, man. Am I, is, is my love for God real? Is my love for God genuine? Because if it's not, there's judgment coming. See, here's the thing, and I love this as his PSS. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. No one, no no man, I'm getting ready to close right now. No man can love God without God loving him first. That's probably Pastor Rod's favorite verse. We cannot love God unless he loves us first. We love him because he first loved us. We don't we don't love him because we're good. We we don't we don't love him because we we mustered up some some morality and we are able to no we don't, we don't love we love him because he loved us first. We can only love God by his grace. It's a work of grace that we're able to love God. And so, and so, we rejoice in, in, in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And lastly, I would say this, it is only by the grace of God that we live for, that we work for, that we endure for the King. And my prayer and my hope is that it would be our desire, just like the Apostle Paul says in verse 24, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. May that be our desire. Our desire. That, that, that God's love would be felt through us toward one another. Because that's what should be happening. And so my closing question is this. Is the love of God motivating a courageous faith in you? Is the love of God motivating a courageous faith in you? Is, is the love of God moving you to live for him above everything else? Is the love of God moving you to love those who are unlovable sometimes? Hello. Hello. Is the love of God moving you to stand firm against the lies in our culture? Is the love of God leading you to serve God no matter what else you got going on in your life, but you are going to serve the Lord? Is the love of God leading you to live for God no matter who comes with you? Is it leading you that way? Because here's the truth. The truth is that if you're going to walk with, if you're going to serve, if you're going to love God, man, there's going to be a lot of lonely moments. Listen, you, you, you don't have the benefit of having someone in your corner every good decision you make saying amen. Like when I, like, like when I need encouragement, I say, come on, say amen, because I need encouragement. Hello. But that only happens when, when, when I'm preaching. When I'm living for God's glory, there's no amen choir that I hear, but there's an amen choir in heaven saying amen. There is a great cloud of witness saying amen. Saying, you continue on in that way. Don't worry about who left you. Don't worry about who doesn't want to be around you. Don't worry about who doesn't agree with you. Don't worry about what you lost. Just know you're doing what I've called you to do. That's what it means to live courageously for him. That we're standing firm, that we're awake. Are you, are you, are you compelled by the love of God? I want you to stand with me, please. Bow your heads, if you will. Praise the name of the Lord. And I want to invite the prayer team to come forward, please. And as we, as, as we sing here, as we sing here in worship, amen. We're wrapping up, we wrapping up. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. As we sing here, I don't listen. If you if, if you want someone, you need someone to pray with you, 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 have, you have something specific. The prayer team is here for you to come forward to pray for them. But I but I do want to make one specific calling. So Here it is, and and it is if you are in this place and you have not made a commitment of faith to Jesus Christ and you want to do that today, we invite you to come forward. We want to pray with you if you want to make a commitment to the Lord and you want to humble your heart before God and say, God, I'm yours. I recognize what you've done for me. I want to live for your glory, not my own. If that's you, we want you to come forward and we want to pray with you. And so again, don't, don't sit in your seat. Don't wait for someone else to come out of their seat for you to come forward if you need prayer and you want to make that commitment to the Lord. But if you're in here and you need prayer for something else, something maybe that I preached, maybe you came in here with a burden, I don't know. But listen, I, I, just, I just don't want you to leave here Without being prayed for, if you know you need prayer. And so, Lord, we humble our hearts before you in this moment. And we and we come before you with our hearts yielded unto you, God. In this, in this, in this time, as we have heard your word, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would direct our hearts, that you would direct our minds, that you would lead us to bring you glory and honor in all that we do. I pray for us that are in this room, Lord God, and even those that are online that may be struggling in their faith. Lord God, may you give us renewed strength. May you give us renewed faith. May you give us a strength that comes from on high. May you give us a peace that comes from on high as we we devote ourselves to serving you. Lord God, I pray for families, dear God, that you would bring unity to homes, Lord God, around the service uh, in your kingdom, Lord, that we are called to. Father, I pray that you would remove barriers, that you would remove obstacles and hindrances. Lord, I pray that you fill us with your spirit in a fresh way, that we may live fully and completely for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would remove distractions from our minds and our hearts in this moment. And Lord God, if there's something inside of us, Lord, that that, that needs to change, Lord, would we, would we respond to you in faith in this moment? Lord God, if there's, if there's anyone in this room, Lord, right now that does not have a relationship with you, that has been struggling with making that decision, Lord God, break them free in this moment, that they may turn to you, that they may run to you, that they would no longer hold on to their life, but that they would lay it down for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we surrender and we submit to you, Lord God, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.